We got a fiscal update yesterday, a fall economic statement it was billed as. Not a budget, um, just an update. And I guess the headline for a lot of us, certainly for me, was the fact that we're talking about a budgetary surplus for the first time. And now it's down the road a ways. We're not talking about this year. It's on the horizon. But this is the first time since the Liberals were elected back in 2015 that they've actually talked about introducing a budget that's not only balanced, but in the black. So kind of interesting. How did we get there? What's going on? To help us understand where we are economically and where we might be going, we're going to chat with Trevor Toom, who is an associate professor in the Department of Economics at the University of Calgary. Trevor, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, so let's do the broad strokes here. Uh, I think that headline leapt out at a lot of people and was reported a lot in the media yesterday. For the first time in a long time, the forecast of a potential balanced budget down the road. That's right. So these updates normally include more than just the current fiscal year. This one projects out six years. And when you look out to 2027, 28, they are projecting a budget balance of a surplus of about $4.5 billion. Now, that is six years from now, and a lot can happen in six months, let alone six years. So we'll see how that pans out. But yeah, this this is a first. It's consistent with a lot of other projections, and really does reflect the broad improvement in government finances that we've seen this year. Yeah, that would sort of be a continuing path, right? Because we're talking about in the short term, actually seeing the deficit that was projected has shrunk quite a bit. That's right. When the budget came out earlier this year, they were anticipating the deficit would be just shy of $53 billion, fairly fairly large, but that has shrunk quite a bit in this update to about 36 billion. And so a lot of that is because of improvements in the overall economy, but interestingly high oil prices and inflation generally is actually a net positive for uh, the government's yeah. budget, adding about $30 billion to, uh, to their balance overall. Yeah, so let's take a look at the two sides of the ledger there. And, and like you say, the inflation causes a lot of problems to a lot of people, but for a government, it typically means increased tax revenue, right? It does. So think about the GST. This is a simple thing uh, to visualize. It's 5% on the value of the goods and services that we buy. So when prices go up, your GST payments go up too, and that's adding maybe $2 billion to the federal government this year. And oil prices being so high, that has meant that corporate profits for oil and gas uh, firms, uh, other mining firms and petroleum products, their profits are up significantly. And the federal government, through its corporate income tax, gets about 15 cents for each additional dollar in profits that they earn. And corporate income tax revenues alone are up significantly this year. They're projecting that corporate income taxes will be about $23 billion higher than they previously anticipated, really putting us at a level uh, that we haven't seen since the late 1960s when the corporate income tax rate was significantly higher than it is today. So that's, that's the big change for me. Okay, so we're seeing massive revenue increases based on, uh, you know, just where we are in terms of the cost of living. But what about the other side, the, the, the spending side? We know there's been a lot of calls from a lot of people to try and curb spending. Is any of that happening mm-hmm. there? Well, they have increased spending in a couple targeted areas. So first I'll note that there's sometimes unavoidable developments that occur that lead government spending to rise. And I'm thinking of Hurricane Fiona in particular. This has led to uh, disaster spending uh, to increase 
them quite a bit uh, in in this budget. It supported the provinces that were were hard hit there. But then there are also uh, decisions that were taken to provide some targeted support for lower income individuals who are particularly strained from rising prices. We're going to have the GST credit mm-hmm. uh, doubling for six months. That's two and a half billion. There's going to be some support to lower income renters. That's about one point. Uh, two billion, and we also saw that the dental benefit, this uh, this program that's stemming from the agreement between the Liberal and NDP, that's now working its way into the financial numbers here. That's adding over the next couple of years about nine hundred uh, million dollars. So there is some increases in spending, but relative to the revenue gains, they're a little bit smaller, and that's why the deficit has shrunk. Another thing you were uh, talking about on Twitter yesterday that I found really interesting when we talk about spending is sort of spending versus GDP, and the graph that you put on Twitter shows that we got way out of whack during COVID, and I think everybody understands that. But we're mm-hmm. sort of returning back into what, I guess you could call a more typical range. Would that be fair? I think that would be fair. So certainly during COVID, the total amount of government spending rose and the economy shrunk. And so when you look at spending as a share of economic activity, it, it jumped up quite a bit. And, you know, that's true all around the world. Yeah. And it's come down a lot. And, and it looks like once we get out to that 2027 fiscal year, then the government's anticipating that federal spending here in Canada is going to be a little under 15% uh, of GDP. And so that's getting us back down, not uh, at pre-COVID levels, but closer to them. So there has been this kind of ratcheting up a little bit in the overall size of uh, federal program spending. Some of that, I think, is well known. So the uh, carbon tax and rebate, for example, that's about half a point in terms of overall GDP that year. Um, But yeah, we're consistently seeing reductions in the overall size of government over the next couple of years. So for those concerned about fiscal policy adding to inflationary pressures, this is gradually subtracting um, that bringing it back into a a more manageable range. She did, however, say yesterday, and I guess there's some uncertainty, and that's always a bit of an issue, but she did say ultimately inflation is going to chart our course here in terms of where we go. We know there's talk of a recession looming. How much of this could be completely knocked off the rails still at this point? So that's an important question. There is a lot of uncertainty right now. Now, the government is not projecting its baseline forecast that we will enter a recession, but they are projecting that the pace of economic growth is going to slow dramatically. Next year, uh, they anticipate Canada's economy will increase by only 0.7%, which is way below the over 3% that they previously thought. So that's not a recession, but it is a a slowdown in growth. Uh, But you're right to note that if inflation persists and interest rates need to rise much more here and around the world, then that could turn us into a contracting economy through 2023. And that really does change the financial picture of the government a lot. But to to their credit, they include in this uh, fall update a scenario that looks at how things might pan out if there is a modest recession next year. Now, the deficit would grow, uh, but even in that scenario, it would remain below what we previously thought it would be. So I think Canada overall, in in terms of its finances, is in fairly good shape. Um, Last one, and then I'll let you go. It seems like they stole a page from uh, some of Biden's inflationary uh, activity in terms of putting a trying to encourage investment among companies that are reaping uh, some really massive profits like we talked about specifically oil and gas and trying to say hey don't just be buying back shares try and reinvest what did they do there 
So they have introduced, like the United States recently did, uh, a tax on share buybacks. And this is one of the ways that companies can return cash to shareholders. So dividends are, are one big way, of course, that corporations distribute funds to shareholders. Another way is to just literally buy back their own shares. And this makes the price of those shares rise, which increases their value to shareholders. And so what they've introduced here is a proposal for a 2% tax on share buybacks. Not a lot of details in this update. We have to wait till the budget next year. That's not slated to start until January of 2024. Uh, But this is an interesting proposal. The intent is, of course, to raise some revenues, but also to nudge uh, corporations to, rather than distribute cash, invest it Reinvest, in yeah. operations. And I guess um, because it's not going to start for some time, we'll have to wait to see what the ultimate effect is. All right. Uh, Trevor, as always, great insight. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.